Hare Krishna. Good morning to Sri Sri Radhakala Chanji Dam. Good morning to all of the assembled devotees. Hari Hari Bo. We're reading from Srimad Bhagavatam Canto 1, Chapter 8, Text 2. And we're reading about prayers by Queen Kunti. But before we read the scriptures, it's always nice to sing and have the association of singing Jayarada Madhava. Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Jaya Radha Madhava Kunja Bihari Jaya Gopi Janavala Bhagivaradari Jaya Gopi Janavala Bhagivaradari Yashoda Nandana Brajachara Ranjanan Yashoda Nandana Brajachara Ranjanan Yamunati Ravanachari Yamunatira Vanachari Jayaradam Madhava Kunjabihari Jayaradam Madhava Kunjabihari Yashoda-nandana-braja-chara-ranjanan Yamunatira Vanachari 
Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Jaya Radha Kala Chanji Radha Kala Chanji Radhe Jaya Jaya Jagannath 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 Jaya Jaya Jagannath Jaya Jaya Baladev, 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 Jaya Jaya Baladev. Jaya Jaya Subhadra, 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 Jaya Jaya Subhadra. Jaya Jaya Gornitai, 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 Jaya Jaya Gornitai. Nitai Goro Haribo, Haribo. Haribo, Nitai Goro Haribo. Jai Shila Prabhupada ki jai, Jai Shishi Radhakalachanji Dam ki jai. And just as a reminder, if you have your phones with you, please turn them off. Krishna doesn't want to hear it. He wants to hear Kata. Um, we're continuing to read from chapter 8, Prayers by Queen Kunti. Very unique queen. And her mood can also be applied to things that go on today. That's the nice part about the scriptures. And I always like that challenge. I guess just because I was a rebel growing up, but I always like that challenge when I'm going through and I'm reading from the scriptures and I read what I see and how it applies. In Srila Prabhupada's messages, time, place, circumstance, keeping the essence of the scriptures. I even remember one devotee mentioning that sometimes if you 
stretch it too much, you might break it, but if you are allowed to think and see as we all individually see, we will all read the text and explain it according to what is acceptable to Krishna. Now, I'm saying that to say that from time to time we'll come across texts where everything that is to be said has been said. And there's very, very little that one can add to it, even though you can pick a line in the scriptures and probably meditate on it and elaborate on it for a while. This section is reminiscent of the changes that are taking place. But I'll explain that a little bit later. Okay, so text two. Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya. Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya. Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya. Om Gyanyana Timarandasya Gananjanan Shalakaya Shakshuan Militam Yena Tashmashi Guru Venamaha Sri Chaitanya Manubhistam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupakadamayam Dilati Swapadandikam Vanchakalpa Turubhyas Cha Kripa Sandubhya Eva Cha Patita Nampavanevio Vaishnavibhya Namo Namaha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadara Hashivasadi Gora Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Now read the text, and after a couple of times of reading, each of you are welcome to go back over the Sanskrit verse and read it again. Uh, text 2. He nani yodayam save vilapa chabri shampunaha aplutahari padad baja. Rajaputa Sarijale Tenaniyo Dakam Save Vilapya Chabrisam Puna Aplutahari Padabja Rajaputa Sarijale Tenaniyo Dakam Save Vilapya Chabrisam Punaha Aplutahari Padabja Rajaputa Sarijale Anyone? Raja Putasari Jale. Bless you, sweetheart. That was very nice. Hey, Nani Yoda Kamsave. 
ilapya chabri shampunaha apluta hari padaja raja puta sari jale Enina yoda kamsave Vilapya chambri shampunaha Apluta hari padabja Raja puta sari chale Enino yoda kamsave Vilapya chabrisham punaha Apluta hari pavdabja Rajaputa sari jale Okay, so word for word. They, all of them, Ninya, having offered Udakam. Water, save, every one of them. Vilapya, having lamented. Cha, and brisham, sufficiently. Punaha, again. Aplutaha, the bad. Haripadabja, the lotus feet of the Lord. Raja, dust, puta, purified, sarit, of the Ganges, jale, in the water. The translation here is having lamented over them and sufficiently offered Ganges water. They bathed in the Ganges, whose water is sanctified due to being mixed with the dust of the lotus feet of the Lord. Again, having lamented over them and sufficiently offered Ganges water, they bathed in the Ganges, whose water is sanctified due to being mixed with the dust of the lotus feet of the Lord. And because this is a text without a purport, we'll go to the next text, which is text three. It's not up there, so if you have your um, Bhagavad Gita with you, you can repeat after it's been read. Tatra sinam kuru patin dhyatarastra sahanujam Gandharim puta shokatam Pritam krishnam chamadava Tatrasinam kuru patin Dirtarasrasa hanujam Gandhari putra shokatam Pritam krishna chamadava Anyone have their books? Do you want to read or we can go on? Okay. 
katra, there, asanam, sitting, kurupatim, the king of the kurus, jitarasram, jitarasra, saha anujam, and his younger brothers, gandarim, gandari, Putra, son, Shoka Atam, overtaken by bereavement. Pritam, Kunti, Krishnam, Tropadi, Cha, also. Madhava, Lord Sri Krishna. The translation here is There set the king of the Kurus, Maharajudastira, along with his younger brothers, and Dirarastra, Gandhari, Kunti, and Draupadi, all overwhelmed with grief. Lord Krishna was also there. Again. There sat the king of Kurus, Marajudastira, along with his younger brothers, and Dhritarashtra, Gandahari, Kunti, and Draupadi, all overwhelmed with grief. Lord Krishna was also there. Purport. The battle of Kurusetra was fought between family members, and thus all affected persons were also family members like Maharajudastira and brothers Kunti and brothers Kunti, Draupadi, Subhadra, Dhritarashtra, Gandahari, and her daughters-in-law, etc. All the principal dead bodies were in some way or other related with each other. And therefore, the family grief was combined. Lord Krishna was also one of them as a cousin of the Pandavas and nephew of Kunti, as well as brother of Subhadra, etc. The Lord, therefore, was equally sympathetic toward all of them. And therefore, he began to pacify them befittingly. Now, we can totally stop here because it's leading into a particular event. It is part of a burial ritual that one goes through when one is burying a dead body or when one is putting one's loved one to rest. And in various cultures, there are different ways to do this. Well, see, the interesting part about this is that, yes, it is in the scriptures, and it is the foundation of how bodies were put to rest. So what can we say about this? Hmm. We can talk about the very process of the burial rituals without being morbid, 
We can also talk about how much it has changed during an event in time because ordinarily, after the body has been, as is the standard here, cremated, the family gets together and they go down to the Ganges They offer water to the Ganges, and they also bathe in the Ganges. I can find my notes. What I found interesting is no matter how brief this purport or this Sanskrit is, there's always something to say. Let's see. Hmm. Well, why is the water of the Ganges so special? Because it has been touched by the toe of the lotus feet of the Lord. When the Lord took steps in the universe, at the very end his toe punctured the universe, and the drops of water ended in the waters of the Ganges, or creating the waters of the Ganges. The Ganges is so sanctified that even Lord Shiva and demigods take a bath in the Ganges. It's also said that the Yamuna and the Ganges are the same. However, whenever the waters of the Yamuna are sanctified 1,000 times. If I've got that right and not backwards, it becomes, it's as sanctified as the Ganges. When Lord Krishna was a baby and he was being taken from uh, his mother, Devahuti, and his father, Vasudev, was taking him away to the village to be away from Lord Kamsa so Lord Kamsa could not kill him. Baby Krishna fell into the waters of the Yamuna and sanctified those waters. The other part of the bathing experiences in the Ganges has changed considerably. That's why Sometimes we cannot be so rigid and stuck in what we're reading in the scriptures. It doesn't mean we go off and totally obliterate the meaning of it, but the pandemic has entered into our world, or this darn virus or whatever, and even that too has a purpose. But now... All of a sudden, the methods by which one would ordinarily conduct a Hindu ritual of burying and then bathing after the body has been cremated, it's no longer, they're no longer able to do that. Not only is there not enough space in India, probably other places too, but in India to have a proper burial whereas the male member of the family would 
lead it, conduct it, and say mantras. Now, whoever the burial individual is, whoever is taking the body, and they're not necessarily a priest, they're saying prayers. So, enters the point of time, place, and circumstance. Things change. Why is it that mainly men conduct the burial ritual, the cremation? And I thought about that. Don't misunderstand. I am a liberal individual. I don't know if you can say I am a... I'm not quite liberated yet because I'm still in this material world. But I don't know if I would say that I'm a women's liber, but I believe in the strength of both sexes to say that. In this point, during the Hindu rituals, the men handle it because there are certain things that take place with the body when it's being cremated that is very difficult for most females to handle. Now, I was going through and reading um, some of the different ways that one might be disturbed in... I don't know if I want to say this in front of you, little one. Uh, Might be disturbed in... Seeing a, um, well, he's gone. In seeing a body, uh, sometimes when the body is being burned, in case anyone has anyone ever attended a cremation in India? Prabhu, Mishra, you, you have? Then maybe some of this is similar. But of course, if I'm stretching it too much, you let me know. But I understand that when the body is being cremated, of course, the body's oiled down, really oiled down so that it will burn quickly. Sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes what has to happen is that the body cramps up a bit. And you have to experience someone pushing down a body that's burning and it's a dead body, and seeing someone push it in such a way that it doesn't mean anything anymore. You're like breaking a piece of wood. That's not so favorable. That smell is not so favorable also to women. It, it, I mean, I'm sure it agitates men too. But the very act of actually seeing that this is really proof that you're not this body. Because at one moment you have of relative. And then when the life heirs are gone, you have a material body that is equal to the earth because, in essence, it's placed on the ground because it's going back to Mother Earth. Of course, they distribute the body in different ways. They dump the ashes into the water. But the point is, the whole process of seeing a burial, Hindu-style, can be quite disturbing. Um, Prabhu, uh, what did you notice uh, in the um, burial process when you were in India? Because it's totally different from what goes on here. And I just wanted to shine a light on 
what took place before all of this. Like you said, it's a good opportunity to see the difference between the body and the and the person. Mm. Uh, I was in Mayapur and travel office and then somebody came in and said that there was a Mataji that was that was getting ready to leave her body. Her name was Sachi Devi. Mm-hmm. And she was only 40 years old. Mm, so very she, young. Didn't, she didn't look like an old person. She looked like a young person. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was I don't know why but she was she was uh, in critical condition. So I went with some devotees to where she was staying, and we all took turns doing kirtan in her room throughout the night. Um, And then the next day, somebody came and told me that uh, Mother Sachi left her body. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I had that experience. We, We were there having kirtan for her, you know, and she was quite alive at the time mm. although she was sick but she didn't look sick and she and she was you know she was totally coherent and and reacting with everyone and everybody reciprocating i think the mic is kicking in from time that was time. about like 10 o'clock in the evening so 12 hours later she had left her body mm. so they announced that there'd be a funeral at three in the afternoon so i went to the ganges and then I saw that same body that who just the, the night before was uh, had a soul had a, was full of life was a you know a, a, a person although not the body but the body was alive because of the person was inside of it and then the next day when uh, her husband had the task of having to light the fire you know the body was on top of a stack of wood next to the ganga. And then, um, it was, yeah, it was, a good, it was a good point that you made that you see the difference because this that same body was obviously really different. It had um, they put like a, a cloth inside her her nose, uh, the nose of the body, you know, so that the flus don't come out. And then uh, you know, lit on fire, and then I. Just saw how the the body is just these material elements, you know. This snap, crackle, pop. Why it was burning, the uh, it just just went away. It, 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 Prabhupada says in the Bhagavad Gita, there's six transformations of the body: mm. uh, born, and then you grow up a little bit, and then you uh, remain for some time, and and then reproduce, and then the body starts to dwindle. And then eventually it dies, and then it goes into oblivion. So, the oblivion is that what we say, ashes, ashes, dust to dust, and then the body just uh, is nothing but literally just a handful of ashes that goes into the Ganga, and then that dissipates, and that's the end of the story for that particular body. So, that's a really nice point that you made that the uh, when you see a cream. When you see a body burn like that, then you can really see that it's not. Yeah, it's definitely, person. definitely not the same. And it's interesting because there's some cultures that are very comfortable with the ritual process of an individual leaving their body. I noticed that 
India, uh, in Africa. The rituals that follow are so rich. Um, I've even had the opportunity to see from a distance, uh, well, as the Muslims have put it, Muslims and Muslims have put putting their uh, the dead bodies of their relatives into the ground. You know, they wrap them in a cloth. And I saw them do something like, um, you know, they take their hands up to their face uh, as if to wipe away any impurities, you know, and then they shake it off. Um, In Africa, I'm trying to remember because depending on what tribe or what part um, of Africa you're in, they have different rituals. But in India, um, and I've seen here also where, you know, rice is put into the mouth. When my uh, my uh, brother left his body and we took him to the Ganges, um, before we took him there, uh, we had him cremated, but we put... Uh, sand from India in his mouth. And it's also very important, as is a ritual, to tie the big toes together so that nothing can ever enter into that entity and take possession of that body. Now, it may sound strange. This may be a little morbid conversation, but these are some of the things that take place. And I wanted to correct the fact that when I said that when the Yamuna is sanctified 100 times, uh, it is the Ganges, but the point that I wanted to make is that whenever the water of the Ganges is sanctified 100 times, it is called the Yamuna. And because in the scriptures, uh, Parikshit Maharaj, I believe, was closer to the Yamuna, which is why he took his the last moments of his life near the Yamuna, now, that may not mean anything to anyone, but there are sacred rivers. Um, some of them are beginning to evaporate. I don't even know if the Yamuna or is it the Saraswati is still there. But they're beginning to, um, based on based on the way people are treating the, the, wor- the world, uh, Mother Bhumi, things are beginning to diminish. They're not like they were in the times when Krishna was physically on the planet. Now, this is what I wanted to read. Uh, There's a section in the uh, first canto, 19th chapter, six texts, and it states that, of course, we know this, the Ganges, the water, that they are um, bathing themselves in in this particular um, chapter, is very auspicious and that is so auspicious that it sanctifies or purifies the three worlds inside and out. And of course I mentioned that Lord Shiva and other demigods also are sanctified by the waters of the Ganges. Uh, we also mentioned that the Lord was, as he was being carried by Vasudev that as baby Krishna, he did slip and fall. He fell. They fell into the water. And he sanctified the Yamuna. 
And it also became sanctified at that point. People also say that bathing in the Ganges or any other sacred water is very important. And there's also a chant that goes along with it. I didn't give you the chant. But it's not just a simple act where you go and you pour some water on yourself and, and then you say just any old thing. I guess if you are highly elevated, maybe the Lord will accept the Maha Mantra because it's very purifying. But there's a process that one has to take when one is taking a bath in the Ganges. I had a personal experience of being in the Ganges. And I got to tell you, I miss going to India. I try to make it as often as possible, but because of the pandemic, it has been arranged that we do not or we cannot go as often as we want. And I imagine when the Lord wants us to and when he opens up India again, we'll go. But someone said it's very auspicious to take a bath in the Ganges. When you see the water, it looks muddy. As a matter of fact, no matter how much I knew that water was supposed to be auspicious, it took almost everything in me to dump, to dip my hand in the water. Well, not only that, I walked into the water. The first time I went to India in 1999 is when we took my brother's ashes to, um, was it Rishikesh? Wherever Lakshmanjula Bridge is, we took it there. And we, I was in knee-deep in the water. And there's something about that water where when you're touching it, you're stepping into it. Even though you can't see through the bottom, and you can't see through the bottom of a lot of waters and lakes in this country, there's something about feeling safe going into that water. And I remember having the sensation of something sliding by my legs, but I wasn't afraid. Actually, I should have been. I should have jumped out of the water, but it wasn't in me. I felt very safe in the water. I felt very purified. And the waters in the Ganges is very, it's full of um, healthy purification. Uh, I can't say chemicals, but it is very healthy for the body. It has, uh, it's very antiseptic. Also, depending on what state of mind you're in, you can experience different things when you're looking into the Ganges. I was very heartbroken because my brother, or my brother-in-law, but I call him my brother, very heartbroken that he left his body so young. So we're standing there looking at the Ganges. And it was very difficult to take in the whole experience of here we're putting his ashes into the water. And I looked across, and yes, this may sound totally strange to you, but it was at the bottom of the Himalayas, and it was as if the water separated, and you had one side of the water raising up, and there was another side of the water that met the raised water, and I swear it looked like the Ganges was praying. Now, that was me, and that, were, that was my eyes. But if you ever have an opportunity to go to India, have an extra bottle and take some Ganges water because I keep it. And it's necessary when you're leaving your body, you have the most purified water there. 
very important to have devotees around you when you're leaving your body. You'd be very, very fortunate to have devotees around you. But let's get past that part. Getting back to the text. The battle of Kurusetra was fought between family members, the Pandavas and the Kurus. And you notice that at this point in time, no matter what their issue was, no matter what the issue was in them fighting, and we know what it was for. It was for the, um, the matter of property and the throne, and there was greed involved. And we've already read about the nonsense that Asvatama did, but even in the process, Kunti, Dropada, Subhadra, Dhirarastra, Gandhari, they're all gathering together, mixed families coming together, and they're honoring one that has fallen, or many that have fallen, but in particular, the five Pandavas. Now, it's not very easy for families to come together today if one side of the family has almost completely destroyed the other half. That's unheard of. But this is the heart of the mindset that we're supposed to have. Ultimately, initially, and before we even took these bodies in this material world, we were and we are still one big family. And generally what affects one family member affects another. What makes us think that we're different is that we're in this bag of bones, this body that's like a vessel that contains the soul. So with these material eyes, we see differences. And when you realize that in every single entity, every single spirit soul, there is Paramatma, the super soul. There's the Lord in the heart. He connects us all. But until we can wash the impurities of the material illusionary matters, situations that take place in our life, we'll never see each other as family. It is not impossible to come together and be a family and to honor a specific event. And I'm carrying that over to being devotees. When one devotee is affected in a way, in some way, we should all gather around and support that devotee for whatever that devotee is going through. We should remember that what one does in this community, in this worldwide community of devotees, affects all of us, which is why our behavior should be such that we imagine our guru is standing face-to-face with us or we are at his lotus feet, and all of the behavior that we are having and, and showing, he sees. What we misunderstand is that we do so much nonsense And we think Krishna doesn't see. What fool thinks that? You have intelligent individuals in so many doms whose behavior is so inferior 
but they can quote the scriptures, they can tell you what it means, but do you act according to the scriptures? No, then it doesn't mean anything. We have to take seriously that this is a perfect time during the pandemic where people are in need of help and how to see how to see how to get through what's going on. And we're in a perfect position to help them. We're in a perfect position to understand that regardless of what bona fide religion any other person is, that we have a common bond. That common bond is understanding that we're all interrelated. We are all related. And that if we can operate under the doctrines of our religious religions, it would be such a wonderful world. I mean, even as critical as the pandemic has been, all the unusual situations that have come up, they've come up and they're going to continue to. This energy in the world that we're being affected by is a virus, but the virus is there for a purpose. We can use it to our benefit because no matter how critical things are, the Lord does take care of his own. So it's that you use common sense as you're preaching. You use common sense as you're interacting with each other because you're a family. And think about this. We've all seen each other from time to time. And there's so many people that I've seen faces. I don't know the names, but the point is, me, and I'm not anyone super special, but if I pass by you and I make eye contact, and I try to, you may not be in the mood for it, but I try to make eye contact and I speak because I'm thinking and I'm knowing that as I'm walking past you, I'm walking past the super soul. He's in your heart. I'm ignoring you? How could I? We have to think so deep and it's so simple to just drop the material contamination, the illusion that we are all so different. Well, individually, we may look different. We may come from a culture that has certain habits. And the nice part about Krishna consciousness is that there is a guideline on how we should all operate. So no matter what culture we came from, we should treat each other and behave according to the principles of Krishna consciousness. Just remember, we are family, and if the Kudus and the Pandavas can come together at such a critical point and realize how important it is to connect at such a time when ordinarily people would be at each other's throat, realize that we can do the same also. We have all the potency. We have the ability to do it. Just think about each time you have an opportunity to hear the scriptures from anyone that's sitting here. There is something very important that's being said, even if it's a sentence that's being said. If it's one point that you can take away, take away that point and let it have an impact on changing something positive about you. Because every time you come together with your guru, with your spiritual family, there should be some changes constantly that are taking place with you. Changes in such a way that you are better than the last time that you were when you were with the family. Better in such a way that you can handle whatever struggles come along and know that you have a family to support you. This is um, 
this is very amazing to realize that there are lessons in the scriptures. There are ways to live your life, how to live your life, no matter what, how you pervert it. There is a way to live your life in such a way that it is pure. And it is in a godly fashion. And it's all in the scriptures. Just read Srila Prabhupada's books. Chant as sincerely as you can. Have at least a mustard seed size worth of faith. And above all else, I will always tell you, association, association, association is very key. Is very key now because we're all in our little cocoons in our homes. And what's happening is that some families are being torn apart because they've never been so close for so long. As devotees, we don't have to go through that. Just remember that you are a member of a highly functional, highly, highly auspicious, a very omnipotent father. And that no matter what is tossed at you, whether that energy is because of of Adiyatma, Adibhutika, or Adideva, whatever it is, you can get through it. But look at each other as family members. Because if we can't look at each other, each other's family members, how can you go out and communicate with anyone that's not a devotee if you don't know how to act as a family among yourselves? It's important. So, um, oh, I'm sorry. Let me finish reading this before again, and then we're done. And if you have any questions or anything to share, feel free. But again, the Battle of Kudasetra was fought between family members. And thus all affected persons were also family members like Maharaj, Yudhisthira, and brothers Kunti. Brothers Kunti, Draupadi, Sabhadra, Dhirarastra, Gandhari, and her daughters-in-law, etc. All the principal dead bodies were in some way or other related with each other. And therefore, the family grief was combined. Lord Krishna was also one of them, as a cousin of the Pandavas, and nephew of Kunti, as well as brother of Subhadra, etc. The Lord, therefore, was equally sympathetic toward all of them, and therefore he began to pacify them befittingly. And again, it speaks of offering waters from the Ganges bathing in the Ganges, and how sanctified that water is because it has been touched by the lotus feet of the Lord. If you don't remember anything else that I said while I was here, remember that we're connected by the Paramatma in our hearts and that we are family. And that from time to time, how do the kids say we need to step up our game and behave more like family? So I'll end at this point. Anyone have any questions or anything you want to share? Any comments? Anything? No? But can he have the mic so they can hear him? Please, just a second. And there's something about this mic where if you hold it a certain way, then you really have the, the sound. Mm-hmm. I was saying... 
I was saying that I really liked your point that we should act and behave in a way that goo is right in front of us. I had a similar situation where I, I had a, some more increased understanding that my chanting is a service to my guru. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, um, and so when I chant my rounds, I try to act like my guru is right there. Yes. And so, because uh, I notice when I don't act like that, my rounds, I get really lazy. I might, you know, I, I kind of kid around, but you're lounging in a right. lounge chair, chanting your. But you would never chant like that with your guru right True. there. You would sit up and, and chant with some enthusiasm. Okay. So I, I, re- I really like this uh, this point, and I, I um, relate to it in, in a way. Thank you. I, I understand that perfectly because sometimes, no matter how long you've been a devotee, sometimes you get a little lazy and. I still don't feel that I chant sincerely enough, and it's been over 20 years. Some others, it's been 30, 40 years. And we're always getting better, but the minute that I think Guru is standing in front of me, like you said, I sit up and I do everything. He would want me to sit up and just focus on the holy name and don't let any distractions. And this world is... If it's never been before, it is full of distractions. Even sitting in your home, in this area, in any other area, there's always going to be some sound that's going to pull your attention. And it is difficult. It is difficult to pull it back, but it can be done. But when you do it, there's a feeling, I don't know how to describe it, but there's a very nice, comfortable feeling when you're chanting and you feel that guru is sitting in front of you. You've got to get it right. You've got to do it right. And then the other step is when people do nonsense, I don't understand why they think that Krishna doesn't see it. It's, it's a waste of time because at some point in time, Krishna's going to check you. But it's just that we can never stop getting better every single day we should be changing something. We should set goals so that we're different because, believe it or not, people watch you as a devotee. They know. I'm sure that when you go out, even here, they know you're a devotee. So if you've never preached to them, you're preaching to them by the way you act with your family, how you interact with devotees. They see that a lot. You know, there was a, a young lady yesterday, and... You never know when you're supposed to open up and say something. Usually my mind is somewhere else, so I'm coming in and doing this. But for some reason, Krishna opened my eyes, and she appeared each three times. And each time, it just seemed like she needed someone to speak to. And when I did, it opened up a floodgate. And it's like, thank you, Krishna, for allowing me to be a servant. I am your servant. I'm a servant of the servant of the servant. And it's just a wonderful feeling when you connect with someone and when you help them to understand what you understand about Krishna. That's what you want. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Abu, did you have something? Anyone else? I know these young minds have a lot of thoughts, but I guess not. Maybe next time. Yes, Prabhu. There's a lot of uh, we're, we're on the material platform. We don't. We're not equal. Uh, we 
because the material bodies are all different. And they have different natures. So, a lot of people, they, uh, they put so much stress on the material body and feel like, you know, that they have to have uh, equal rights as women or they... They're not happy with the the body that they have, the gender that they have, so they try to change it artificially. Mm-hmm. And in so many ways, this Prabhupada he would say that these are just material considerations, the differences between the, the bodies and the different natures that people have. Mm-hmm. So why do we uh, put so much stress on on these? Uh, roles or designations or situations that we're in rather than just focusing on the spirit soul and the development of, of, of spiritual life because the spirit soul is the same in everybody. You know, it's like fire is the same in every kind of wood. So how do we uh, develop the spiritual life and without, you know, trying to sort of like blend uh, our material... Pr- situation, you know, to try to fix that and make it like something that we well, you'll feel better that's with. That's a good know. point because these material considerations that you're speaking of, and I'm thinking of the ones that are addressing what is relevant, and re- relevance, um, it depends on what the issue is with the individual, but from what I'm seeing in the material world, uh, as far as genders, as far as protest of equal rights and equality and um, all lives matter, there are actually principles in the scriptures that if you follow them, and it's I think it's the last chapter in the Bhagavad Gita, if you follow these guidelines, of being a devotee, then there would be no need for the protests. To each his own, if someone wants to have a difference of opinion in their gender, that's between them and the Lord. That is personally between them and the Lord. Am I not going to care for that individual or be concerned about whatever their platform is? It depends on what the platform is, but I'm not going to think differently of that individual. If they're talking about equal rights, there should be altogether universal individual rights that everyone should be respected. It is when we go off track of the divine laws that you have these protests. People know how they're supposed to be treated. That's why some of the protests are coming up. It's like you say you abide by the Bible, the Quran, the, the, the Bhagavad Gita, well, your behavior is nothing like it, so I'm going to protest. Some of the protests are definitely, they're, they're, real, they're factual, they need to be, because what they're asking each and every one of us to do is act in a godly fashion. You know, treat each other, love each other as I have loved you. The Lord takes our nonsense so much, and he's so forgiving, That's supposed to be our position. Even if you don't agree with an individual, you will not. You will not agree with every single person that you pass by 
or have any contact with. If you do, you're a very special person. But the point is, be human-like, be considerate, be kind to that individual, because deep inside is the Paramatma, is Krishna. And that individual has, on his own free will, decided to do and be what he is. But if what he's doing and being is in conflict with the natural laws of God, then yes, there is going to be a protest. But if we're acting, if everyone acted according to their religious scriptures and to the doctrines, we wouldn't have to have all these protests. We wouldn't need a president up there. We could probably go back to the time where a king could handle the entire area as they did in the times when Krishna was on the planet. They had issues, but not to the extent that we're having them. These are not new issues, but the point is, how we dealt with them then and how we're dealing with them now is very selfish. It's all about me and mine and my way or the highway. The protest wouldn't even have to be if we acted in a Krishna-conscious manner, in a godly manner. We wouldn't have so many disturbances. What are your thoughts? What do you think of this? That's a, that's a good, no, that's a good point. Usually I'm, I'm coming after you with whatever point you're making, but that's a good point, very good point. You know, it's like a motivating factor. Let's start acting the way we say we're supposed to act. Let's do what we come and preach and dance about. Let's do it, do it, and have an impact. Would it be surprising if a Krishna consciousness would have a tremendous impact on the world? It wouldn't be surprising. It can be done. One step at a time. One individual can start the spark. The whole world could be inflamed with kindliness and all of the godly practices and all the god consciousness. But thank you, everyone, for being here. Thank you so much. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Jai Shri Shri Radha Kala Chandri Dham Ki Jai Shri Shri Bhagavatam Ki Jai.